Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty. On episode number 136, we are going to break down day two of the NFL Draft, one of the best weekends of the year. Two days down, one to go. So day two of the NFL Draft has come to an end, and there were a lot of Dynasty relevant draft picks that were made in rounds two and three. Some were incredibly exciting, and some were very questionable in my eyes. Of course, beauty is always in the eye of the beholder in both the NFL draft and in our Dynasty rookie drafts. And so in this podcast, I'll just make a few comments on the day two picks and what I saw as some more being more beautiful uh, than others. First, we had um, Elijah Moore. Moore has first-round talent, so it's not surprising to see him get drafted pick number two in the second round. Um, it was surprising, though, that the Jets drafted a wide receiver over a running back. I assume that they're going to be drafting a running back later in the draft, um, but Moore's new presence on the team spells trouble for Jamison Crowder, especially, who many analysts actually expected that he'd get released during the offseason because of salary cap implications. Uh, Denzel Mims and Corey Davis will also have competition now for their targets from their new quarterback, Zach Wilson. I really wish Moore would have gone to a team with a less crowded wide receiver room and maybe more predictable or proven offense since we've not seen what this new offense with their coaching staff is going to look like. I think it'll take some time for him to establish rapport with Wilson, but he is more capable of becoming the best wide receiver, more than capable rather, of becoming uh, the best wide receiver in New York. In fact, I've already ranked him at number 44 in my dynasty rankings ahead of all the other Jets receivers. Second player that was drafted uh, was uh, pick number 2.3, Javante Williams. And this was a big surprise. Denver traded up to draft Williams, which was really was a devastating blow to the dynasty value of Melvin Gordon and the sleeper value of Mike Boone, who I picked up a lot in the offseason. Uh, he's a very similar runner to Gordon, I think. And I think he's going to surpass Gordon and become the leading back probably by about midseason. I move Williams up to number 15 in my dynasty rankings and I had to move Gordon down to number 35 after they made this pick. And I think once I'm able to make transactions, I'll be dropping Boone from almost all of my teams that I uh, added him to this offseason. What was really curious about this is this first round, first part of the second round <clears throat> was that Atlanta was in position to draft Williams, but they traded the pick, giving Mike Davis managers hope that he will actually be the lead running back in Atlanta. The same can be true for Miles Gaskin because Miami drafted a safety when they could have drafted Williams. And the rest of the running backs in this draft are more role players, in my opinion, except for Trey Sermon. So Gaskin and Davis benefited the most by these first few picks in the second round, especially if another team goes out and gets Sermon, which we will uh, get to here shortly. Later in the second round was Rondell Moore at 2.18. Arizona, they did it. They drafted this versatile playmaker, Moore. Um, he does join a very crowded wide receiver depth chart. Uh, right away, there are three. You know, right away, I think he could be involved though in three receiver sets. DeAndre Hopkins, of course, is the alpha wide receiver in Arizona. This does nothing to his value, and then it looks like AJ Green is going to compete with Christian Kirk for the starting position opposite Hopkins. But I think it just really just solidifies that Moore is going to play in the slot uh, in this offense <clears throat> with an offense whose coordinator should know how to maximize his talents. Uh, Moore's dynasty value is 
was always going to be very, very dependent upon the team that drafted him. And I think this is a pretty good spot for him to land with a creative offense. So the dynasty value for him is moving up. I moved him up to my number 49 ranked wide receiver, my dynasty ranking so far, so far, which is 21 spots ahead of Christian Kirk, who I moved down. And it's 32 spots of A.J. Green just because of A.J. Green's age. Only question I have here is, well, I'll say first that Andy Isabella no longer needs to be rostered because of this move. At the same time, it's like they almost got Rondell Moore to be an Andy Isabella, but they couldn't make Andy Isabella work. So I do have to question just a little bit of what, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has already proven what he can do with a small um, slot receiver. But that said, you really can't compare the athleticism of Moore to Isabella. And so there's much more hope for Moore uh, to be the starting wide receiver in the slot for Arizona. Next uh, pick 23 in the second round was Pat Fryermuth. Uh, Pittsburgh lost out on many of the offensive linemen in round two. That's who they thought that they were going to try to load up on, but seven linemen were drafted by teams ahead of them. So I guess they opted to draft, this, draft the second best tight end in this class, uh, Pat, Pat Fryermuth. Uh, he is a great blocker, so I guess in some sense you can say they did help their offensive line. I think Fryermuth is going to develop under Eric Ebron for the next year before becoming a real starter in 2022 after Ebron's contract expires. Ebron's on the last year of his contract. I think dynasty managers are going to have to play a long game with him, but we have to do that with most tight ends anyway. I think it will pay off eventually. I moved him up to number 17 in my dynasty rankings. I think it's going to take about a year before I uh, will really be able to move him up beyond that, but I think eventually uh, he will become a great tight end. question is, by that point, who will be throwing in passes? That's going to be Another thing to consider with Frymer's uh, value. Next pick and uh, was pick number 24 in the second round. That's Dwayne Eskridge. Surprising pick here. Eskridge was drafted by Seattle. He had been creeping up my rookie rankings throughout the offseason, but he'll move up even more after getting the second round draft capital. Uh, Seattle does need a third wide receiver to play now that David Moore uh, left for uh, Carolina in free agency. I think he's going to have every chance to win a starting job in three wide receiver sets right away. That said... Uh, he was drafted by a team that limits their passing opportunities as a whole, and they have two receivers that are far better than him, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I wished uh, that he would have been selected by a team that only had one stud wide receiver, so then he could compete for a wide receiver two spot on a team. Um, that for that reason alone yeah, makes me just only move up to number 69 in my wide receiver rankings. Uh, I think he'll be great for Seattle, but he will not become a great dynasty asset. <clears throat> Next was... Uh, 2.25 was 2-2 Atwell. Uh, the Rams drafted a wide receiver in the second round after doing so last year with Van Jefferson. Uh, last year's pick seemed like a reach, and this year's pick does as well to me. Uh, Atwell is very tiny, uh, but he is a playmaker with speed to burn. And clearly the Rams desire to have a player like that in their offense because they added Deshaun Jackson this offseason. I think the two of them are comparable in size and skill. Uh, I could not move Atwell very high up in my dynasty rankings, though, given the depth in, of the the depth chart and wide receivers for LA. I only moved him up to number 90 in my rankings. Uh, Van Jefferson fell in my rankings after the Rams signed Jackson, and now that he drafted another receiver in the second round, I think he's going to drop even further. I think Tutu's no threat to the steady dynasty value of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. They're the receivers really to have there. I don't think there's going to be much that Tutu Atwell's going to do. I was pretty disappointed uh, for that landing spot. Not so with the next pick, though. 2.27 was Terrace Marshall. And I loved this landing spot. Uh, he's going to move up quite a bit in my rookie rankings. Uh, Carolina's offensive coordinator is Joe Brady. Uh, he uh, coached uh, Marshall at LSU. 
So he likely had influence on this pick. I think he's immediately going to be the starting wide receiver in three receiver sets opposite Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. And he played that well, well, quite played that role quite well in LSU in 2019 when he was the third receiver behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. He did well, and they win a national championship. I think Carolina's building. I like what they're doing. They're building an offense that's going to be pretty tough to stop. And I think the biggest winner in all of this draft so far is Sam Sam Darnold. Uh, one because Carolina didn't draft a quarterback in the first round when they had opportunity to do so, but now they've added another legitimate weapon here in the second round. I moved Marshall all the way up to number 49 in my wide receiver rankings, which puts him right behind Corey Davis and, uh, or right between rather Corey Davis and Michael Pittman, right there um, in that range. Really high, high uh, upside uh, for Marshall at Carolina. Then we had a quarterback run. Uh, Tampa Bay started it off first uh, by drafting Kyle Trask. Uh, Tampa Bay drafted Trask to groom under Tom Brady. Of course, that just means that Brady's going to get upset. He's going to play for four more years and win a couple more Super Bowls, right? Uh, Seriously, though, Trask is a good pick for the Buccaneers, but he only carries uh, value in the middle as a uh, middle-round pick in Superflex leagues. He's got the GOAT to learn from, but it's going to take a few years to see what he's got. I moved him up to number 44 in my quarterback rankings amidst many of the other you know, backups. He's definitely a backup. Then uh, another part of the quarterback run was Kellen Mond. Minnesota drafted uh, what they hope will be their future quarterback. Or, in this case, a little bit different from playing behind Tom Brady, uh, that he could actually replace Kirk Cousins uh, if or when he has a string of difficult games, which he's prone to do. Uh, unlike Trask, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mond get some playing time this year if, if Cousins struggles. He has more college game experience than any of the quarterbacks in this draft, which does say something uh, for him as, the, as you know, in the sense of the number of experiences he's had as a quarterback. I moved him up to number 49 in my quarterback rankings. I think he's really worth a late round pick in super flex leagues, um, but a little more hopeful to see him, what he can do this year at some point if Cousins was to struggle. Then most intriguing was the very next pick, Davis Mills. Uh, Mills really is my favorite quarterback outside of the top five that were drafted, drafted in the first rounds. Uh, his, his landing spot, I think, really increased his dynasty value even more because Deshaun Watson's uh, legal trouble and the trade demands really lead me to believe that he's not the future quarterback of the Texans. I think we all suspect that now. Mills did underperform um, in college at Stanford, but he was the highest, uh, one of the highly ranked quarterbacks in his recruiting class. And so I think that he does have the tools to be an NFL starter, Uh, once he's coached up. That said, uh, you have to question the coaching and the front office in Houston. (laughs) They've messed up on every turn, it seems like. So I think Mills is probably going to get a chance to prove himself right away, whereas Trask and Mond will have to wait their turn. Um, I've moved uh, ahead of Trask and Mond to be my uh, 40th ranked quarterback, so among the top backups. But depending on what happens with Watson, if we find out that Watson is definitely... Uh, moving on or not playing this year, I suspect Mills, poor Tyrod Taylor, every, every time he thinks he has a starting job, he could get replaced and it might happen again just like it did uh, for him last year. Next pick of uh, third round uh, was very disappointing for me. It was Josh Palmer, uh, 3.14. Uh, I did not have Palmer among my top 60 uh, rookie rankings, but I really considered adding him in recent weeks because there was a lot of buzz about him getting uh, drafted on day two. And while I was not impressed with his tape, his draft capital alone demands that I move him up in my rookie rankings. And so I've moved him up to number 24 um, after he was drafted by the Chargers. 
I really wanted the Chargers to draft Tylen Wallace instead, who I like way more. He's a way better prospect in my eyes, and I would love to see him land on the Chargers. But any wide receiver that gets paired with Justin Herbert deserves a considerable bump. Uh, Mike Williams has not been impressive, and he's in the last year of his contract. This draft pick does send a clear signal that they do not plan to sign Williams, in my opinion. Uh, Palmer uh, will slowly eat into Williams' time this year. I really liked Tyron Johnson um, as a bottom-of-the-roster prospect to hold on to, and I have him on many rosters. And because I'm not convinced about Palmer, um, I have to take in the draft capital, but because I wasn't convinced by the tape, I'm not going to drop Tyron Tyron Johnson uh, just yet. I want to see if he can compete with Palmer for that position. Um, I liked him enough and saw enough in Johnson last year that gives me hopes that he could be even better than Palmer, even though the draft capital here is obviously um, pretty high. Next up was uh, Hunter Long. We get a little tight end run in the middle of this third round here. <clears throat> Hunter Long went to Miami. Miami surprisingly drafted Long ahead of Brevin Jordan, who was really the consensus third tight end by most prospects and analysts. Uh, Long is a complete tight end, uh, so I think he's going to help the Dolphins, but I don't think it's going to help Dynasty teams. Mike Gusecki will continue to play in the move tight end role, get all the tight end targets on a team that already has a great group of wide receivers competing for targets already. And so I don't think that uh, I'm going to be drafting long in any of my leagues because he just has too much competition in Miami. Good for the team, not good for Dynasty. And then uh, pick number 319, Diami Brown. And Brown is the perfect fit in Washington, which makes me mad as a Cowboy fan. <laughs> they had a really good draft. Uh, Washington, <clears throat> I think, is going to become the starter alongside Terry McLaurin and, and Curtis Samuel. Uh, drafting a wide receiver this early, I think, brings an end to the Dynasty value of Kelvin Harmon. I just kept hoping would break out, but he kept getting injured. And Antonio Gandy-Golden, um, who a lot of people had hoping for him, solidifying some role on the team. And then you've got the Sims brothers. They're not really brothers. I call them brothers, but the Sims, Cam Sims and Steven Sims. Uh, that puts them to pasture as well. Uh, Naomi Brown is a, a dynamic uh, pass catcher. I think if you put he and McLaurin on the outside, uh, Curtis Samuel's role gets solidified now as a slot guy and the underneath guy where well, McLaurin and Brown are going to be the deep-filled threats that uh, have burning speed. So you know who loves to do that? Uh, Fitzpatrick. He'll find him. I think it was a great pick by Diami Brown. He's going to remain pretty high up in my rookie rankings. Next was another tight end. Uh, Pick 320 was Tommy Trimble. Uh, Trimble was previously not ranked among my top 60 rookie rankings, but I'll certainly move him into the rankings after landing in really an ideal spot in Carolina. Uh, Carolina took a chance on this athletic upside. I think he'll compete uh, against Ian Thomas, who's already had a chance to prove himself and had, but hasn't. And then Dan Arnold, who they added in free agency, another sign that they didn't like Thomas by adding Arnold, and now a sign that they recognize they need a more athletic uh, player. Uh, Thomas and Arnold were already a kind of bottom of the, the bottom of dynasty rosters if they were rostered at all. So I think their value is totally in question now. I think Trimble's addition to the team uh, puts them over the cliff. That said, I'm not sure that a tight end will have a vital role on this team at all uh, that has far better targets than Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and now their new rookie, Terrace Marshall. Um, I think Trimble's going to help Carolina as a team, but not really dynasty teams uh, because of the target share that's going to be spread around on that team. Um, good for the Carolina, probably not good for dynasty. Then maybe my favorite pick in this uh, day two was pick number 22 in the third round was Amari Rogers. Uh, this may have been my favorite selection in the whole third round, if not the whole day two. Finally, Green Bay drafted a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers, 
and they drafted one that I think is a perfect for Rodgers. That is, assuming Rodgers returns to Green Bay after all these demands for a trade, which is crazy. I've been higher on Amari than most every dynasty analyst throughout the pre-draft process I really have. I think now others are going to catch up with me, and they're going to be excited about him, but I was excited about him first. But I will say that this landing spot makes me even more excited. Uh, any receiver benefits from getting paired with Aaron Rodgers, uh, but crafty, intelligent wide receivers earn Rodgers' respect even more, and Amari is just that. I boldly moved him up to my number 56 wide receiver overall in Dynasty, two spots behind Elijah Moore and two spots ahead of Rondell Moore now. The addition of Amari is a blow to the Dynasty value of Alan Lazard and Marquise Scott Valdez-Scantling. Um, Amari is a far different receiver than the two of them, so he's not going to really be competing with them. He's going to get the slot role, and they're going to have to compete with each other to see who remains a starter outside. Um, Amari is going to play a role real similar to Randall Cobb and what he did for years at Green Bay. I think he's a perfect comp for Amari, and now gets to be with Aaron Rodgers. He can be his new uh, Randall Cobb. Next pick, which was devastating in my opinion, was Trey Sermon. <clears throat> when San Francisco drafted Sermon, I was elated and disappointed. Uh, I'm much higher on Sermon than most all the other analysts, apart from Matt Waldman, who actually has him ranked number one. Um, I love what he can do in the San Francisco offense, but I hate how Mike Shanahan deploys his running backs. He makes the most of them, but he rotates them too much, which is so frustrating. Uh, thankfully, last year in the offseason, I sold all but one of my Raheem Mostert and Jeffrey Wilson shares. and I, got, I still have them in one league, um, but Sermon's going to cover them up quickly, which is disappointing um, if you own them. The questionable dynasty value of the San Francisco running backs, I feel like now has become even more uncertain. I think Sermon's immediately the best running back in San Francisco, but the question is, will he get enough touches? Uh, Sermon will be one of the most challenging players to evaluate and rank in rookie drafts. Uh, for now, I've moved him up to number 24. Uh, there's part of me that thinks that this landing spot will give enough question that you would be able to you know, steal him maybe in the second round of rookie drafts. Um, but there sure is a lot of question because I hate the Shanahanigans. <laughs> That's what he does. Next pick was uh, uh, 3.26 was Nico Collins. <laughs> And uh, unlike being high on Sermon, I've actually been low on Collins throughout the draft process, uh, even though I knew that a team would draft him early just based on his size and his measurables. Uh, and Houston's the team that took that stab on him uh, with one of their very few draft picks that they have. Aside from Brandon Cooks, the Texans wide receivers aren't very solid. Uh, Randall Cobb is getting older and got injured a lot last year. And Kiki Kuti, he has flirted with breaking out. He has done, had a couple good games last year. But I think all the wide receivers in Houston took a huge dynasty hit already just when Deshaun Watson demanded a trade and got in trouble with the law. And so they've already been all taking a hit. I think drafting Davis Mills gives them some future hope possibly. Um, but there's just too many question marks around the entire Texans team. So I only move Collins up to my number 90 uh, wide receiver rankings overall. It's going to take a lot for him to, to break out there. And finally, uh, last pick we'll talk about today is Anthony Schwartz. Uh, Schwartz joined Cleveland, and he joins now the NFL and immediately becomes the fastest player in the NFL. He's Olympic-level fast, but that doesn't translate to consistent wide receiver play very much. If you listen to me, you know that I don't place a lot of value on speed at the wide receiver position. Um, I think that just requires a lot more craft than it does speed, uh, let alone for Cleveland here. You've got Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. They have locked down the wide receiver one and two roles in Cleveland, and Cleveland's a run-first team, so I think Schwartz can compete with Richard Higgins and uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones for a role with the team. 
but the targets are just too limited in the dynasty value uh, for his dynasty value to rise very high. Um, I now have him ranked as my number 99th ranked wide receiver for what it's worth. Have Higgins and Peoples Jones in that same category, same area, all of them ranked between 99 and 113. So not very valuable assets uh, in my opinion. Well, that's it for uh, the day two comments on the players that were drafted. Day day three is uh, happening this morning. It'll be pretty interesting to see what happens. One of the unique things about this draft was there's only four running backs that were drafted in the first three rounds. That hasn't happened in a really, really long time. And so day three here, we're going to see the likes of Chuba Hubbard, Jamar Jefferson, Michael Carter, Kenneth Gainwell. All those backs are going to land in spots, and it'll be interesting to see, uh, again, particularly whether Atlanta or Miami goes for one of those players or if Gaskins and Mike Davis are going to hold their value because of it. As for the receivers, my favorite two on the board are Tylen Wallace, uh, uh, Wallace and uh, Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown. Very surprised that those guys were not drafted yesterday. But know that they'll get drafted today, but when you don't get drafted in the first three rounds, uh, your odds for becoming a uh, breakout dynasty value player decrease significantly. And so that's going to be a wrap for this week. Uh, I think next week we'll do a podcast where we can wrap up uh, rounds uh, four through seven. But for now, I uh, just wanted to get this hot off the press. Some of my initial thoughts. Hope that you have fun thinking about it, thinking about your drafts. And man, most of you guys are going to have drafts starting up next week or in the very, very short coming weeks. It's going to be a blast. I'd love it if you reach out to me and let me be a part of your draft process. Contact me anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. Um, I do want to become your most trusted and independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.